probability that one or more team members may be infected by intruder organism. 75%. If intruder organism reaches civilized areas, entire world population infected 27,000 hours from first contact. Welcome back to the Thing Minute podcast, where we discuss John Carpenter's 1982 science fiction horror masterpiece, The Thing, one minute at a time. I'm Harper W. Harris from HarperWHarris.com, and joining me again today is... Travis Bowe from Watchmen Minute. Awesome. Thanks for coming back. Yes, no problem. So uh, today we're talking about Minute 74 of The Thing, which begins with uh, Mac threatening everybody and telling them to put the torches on the floor and backing off, back off, and then ends a minute later with, uh, with Mal saying that Norris is not breathing. So some shit's going down, for real. <laughs> <laughs> It's get, getting pretty messy here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so this is where we really get the meat of uh, of uh, McCready kind of, you know, taking back control by any means necessary here. Yeah. I, I like to think about um, Alex, who was on the show just a couple of weeks ago, made this great comparison that I, I really liked about how the, the moment uh, at the beginning of the movie, the first time we see McCready, where when he starts losing at the chess game, he pours his drink into the computer and, and <laughs> yeah. destroys the game rather than losing. And that this, when he does this here in this moment is a perfect oh, uh, yeah. analogy to that. Like he'd rather burn the game down than lose control. Okay. Yeah. Um, which is so great. I'd never thought about it that way, but it's a, it is a perfect kind of character moment to look at those two things side by side. <laughs> yeah. Although th- hmm. this one is obviously the stakes are much higher than, <laughs> yeah. than losing his, uh, his little Apple II or whatever. I, I like to think of this as his new version of rock, paper, scissors, which is uh, <laughs> fire, axe, flamethrower, dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty perilous situation that they're all in at this point. <laughs> yeah. So not not only is, uh, you know, they, they think that he's infected, but now he's maybe infected and also holding explosives um, mm-hmm. while they're training flamethrowers on him. So there's just bad stuff all around. Um, yeah. Nothing yeah. good could come from this situation. But at least we know they have milk, but milk duds and uh, four cases of Budweiser in this room. So You know what? I didn't even catch that. The, that's what <laughs> some of those boxes are in the background. Yeah, in when it's like. Oh, uh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah milk duds like two yeah, giant like boxes, two boxes. <laughs> like that that's what they would have supplied at antarctica yeah. like that's kind of funny mm-hmm. <laughs> I, i'm i'm think i'm wondering if maybe the set was real close to a movie theater and they just needed some boxes <laughs> yeah, or something yeah. <laughs> i think i think i feel like blair has a real sweet tooth for milk duds i could see that that's, that's kind of an old man candy you know, yeah yeah <laughs> That was what he brought to the uh, to the outpost. Nals <laughs> yeah. brought his roller skates and Blair, item. Blair bought, brought uh, two giant boxes of milk duds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I guess you don't have to worry about the melting here. So that's a that's yeah. a plus. Um, <laughs> that's pretty interesting. Yeah, especially we were talking about The Shining yesterday, and you think about like that extremely well stocked fridge in The Shining with like hundreds oh, yeah. of real food items, and then here in, in in this movie, they're not quite as concerned about that kind of realism. I guess just <laughs> yeah. beer, beer and candy—that's what yep. there is in their supply room. <laughs> so yeah, so we get. I love this shot 
uh, about uh, let's see, about ten seconds in when McCready's starting to tell them to back off, and he's he basically just walks right out of frame, like the camera doesn't even follow him. Um, <laughs> and it's I, I don't know what why it works so well, but you know it's when he's like uh, just telling them he's back off, way off. Yeah, and it's like all right, yeah, there's there's no going back at this point. Mm-hmm. It's but I don't know why, but I love that shot. I've always thought it was kind of a cool one. <laughs> I love that. Uh that he continues to wear that ridiculously floppy hat. <laughs> like we don't get a great view of it here, but uh, there's like a kind of a silhouette view from, oh, it's there. from behind him. And it's, it's there. <laughs> yeah. It's I guess maybe he burst into that window. And by the time he uh, decided to do this whole, uh, this whole thing with the dynamite and everything, he didn't yeah. really have, he didn't really have a hand free to get the hat off. So he's like, well, I guess we'll keep it on for now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a classic McCready look. Yeah. So, so yeah, so we get, we, we were laughing a little bit off air about uh Palmer's line here as they, you know, so him and him and Childs uh, drop their flamethrowers and this is where Palmer completely turns, turns the, to the other direction of where he's been, you know, in the past couple minutes, he's been super aggressive and all that. And now he turns kind of back into like the, the pot smoking mm-hmm. hip, hippie conspiracy yeah. theories that we saw earlier in the movie. <laughs> well, I like the, like Nall's, kind of has a method of like he says you know take it easy mccready or, or how he says it like his comes across as desperate but palmer just com- comes across as you know like you said just laid back and and they they both work really well like as being the only real comic relief in the movie mm-hmm. uh, but it's nice because neither of them are over the top so yeah that's no, a nice balance for sure but yeah, it definitely is kind of it is kind of a funny moment that yeah. the way he reacts because you know Childs is still like very kind of tense and like won't take his eyes off McCready. Yeah, but Palmer's like you know oh, yeah man just relax, <laughs> <laughs> just chill out dude. Uh, yeah, so we get a little bit of that antagonism that we were talking about between the two of them where uh, you know McCready's like you asshole, <laughs> and that kind of goes back to my what I was saying last time about. You know, Childs and McCready having that history. Like that, that's another line that you say to someone that you've got history with. Mm-hmm. Definitely feels familiar. Yeah, yeah. Like it's not like, what are you doing, man? It's like, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I knew you would have been the one who right, acts in right. the door on me. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and even even Childs responds with like, "Well, you'd have done the same thing." Yeah, yeah. So. Which is maybe not nothing to do with the thing. It more has to yeah. do with like, I, yeah, you would have been the one to turn on me too. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, then we get it's Nalls and Norris who have kind of disappeared and you almost kind of forget that they kind of ran off at the beginning of this part. Yeah, yeah. Suddenly appear behind McCready and try and grab him just as he asks, you know, where where's everybody else? And it's one of those things where I, I kind of thought that there was some kind of goof here. I was like, well, how did they get into this Yeah, room? I was just about to say. It is, it is, it's not a goof because I think um, there is another door to this room. I can't remember where it's established. Okay. But I know that uh, I think it connects to the map room where they were earlier when they're kind of figuring out where to like where the TV was when they were watching the the VHS tape. And okay. I, I only know that because of the like extremely detailed maps that uh, that the guys at Outpost31.com sure. have put together. But I don't yeah. know. Um, I, I definitely would not have figured that out. And it, even if it's not a goof, it is kind of a weird plot hole because you know, they get to that door when McCready breaks in and, and uh, Childs is like, damn, he's got the only key and starts to break in the door. But like, if there's another door to that room, <laughs> like, why wouldn't they just yeah. go in through there? It's kind of weird. Huh. Or why why didn't McCready go out, you know, go sure. in through that door too? Like, it is kind of a weird thing. It's, it's, 
you know, it's, I guess, one of those things you kind of have to suspend your disbelief just for this kind of surprise moment where sure, they pop sure. up behind him. Yeah. It works, but it is kind of totally. funny. Yeah. I, I like that they jump jump him right after he says, you know, where, where the other guys are. So it's nice yeah. timing. Definitely. It's a good good kind of scripted moment that works out perfectly. And I, I was thinking about, too, when he when he throws off the two of them, because he, yeah. he really has no problem, which is a little surprising, <laughs> considering these are two two grown men attacking him, and both of his hands are kind of preoccupied with something that yeah. he he's also has to be very careful with. Like he's kind of you know he can't really yeah. just drop those things. <laughs> it, you know, it, it reminded me a little bit of uh, you know when Blair kind of went crazy, and Blair was able to like almost superhumanly throw <laughs> yeah. off Gary and um, right. I can't remember who it might be Palmer. Uh, some the uh, like two or three people that attack him, he like easily like <laughs> gets them off of him, which is like, yeah. yeah, I think it's pretty suspicious that this old man's able to do this. But <laughs> it's definitely even a little weird here that he's very easily able to subdue the two of them. Yeah, and the the hit that I think I thought it was Norris, but it might be Nulls. The hit that the the first one takes mm-hmm. comes with a very like well worn foley punch oh, sound totally. that doesn't really fit the type of like backhanded hit that that McCready delivers here. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a little bit of like, you know, you, you've heard that punch sound you know a hundred other times, and it usually comes from you know a, a you know an actual punch, not just a what's kind of more of a slap, you know. Oh, backhanded totally. slap so yeah i think it may even be the exact same sound that's used um in that same scene we were just talking about with with blair when, when okay mccready knocks sure. blair out there's that same kind of very classic sounding indiana jones yeah. almost yeah uh, punching baseball sound. bat in a leather you know yeah, in a leather yeah. jacket kind of punch sound yeah. uh-huh yeah definitely it, it feels a little kung fu um for this moment <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah, he, he takes the two of them out pretty quickly and norris gets thrown back into the shelf and then, uh, yeah, and then immediately just uh, we get we get that great Palmer line and, and Nulls too, and he's just like, uh, man, just you know, be cool, be cool. <laughs> like, yeah. So you know, they're like, all right, you know, we're not gonna try that again. Like, it yeah, was, that was yeah. too close. Well, um, it's such a risky move. You yeah, know, no kidding. Or, or you think they would have tried harder to, you know, make him drop one one or both? You know, the dynamite dynamite or the you know, the flare? Like, yeah. I don't know. Grabbing him seems like a bad idea. But. And it, I guess it's kind of looks like maybe that's what they were trying to do. Like, you know, they grab him from both sides. So maybe, maybe their plan was to each grab yeah. one of his arms to get the two away, but they don't, they obviously don't do a very good job of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely a pretty bold move. Like, it's not just like he's holding a gun, like sure. and he'd have to turn around and aim at them. Like all he has to do is move his hands closer together and literally they all die. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, it's definitely pretty risky. But, you know, they're at this point where they're willing to go to those, those kind of lengths, you know, to fight each other. Like, right. they're that, dis, you know, untrusting that they'll go to those kind of risks, which is pretty pretty intense. So uh, I, I really love the moment right after that happens when, you know, they're all trying to, to tell McCready to relax. And he's like... <laughs> Yeah, like no, I'm fucking serious. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love his little laugh as he says, uh-huh. "Like we go." <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Uh, I read the same thing down. <laughs> okay, it, it just adds to his like wild-eyed, savage, you know, look that he's got going on right now. Yeah, McCready's such a such a unique character because he is kind of this anti-hero. He's kind of got that whole like reluctant hero thing going on, where like 
it seems like at the beginning, like he kind of doesn't want to be involved. He just wants to go back to his shack and get drunk sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then he kind of takes up this role. Uh, he, he's a character who basically kind of the central piece to him is that he just does whatever needs to be done. Like, and, you know, damn the consequences kind of thing. Yeah. And, and this is a perfect example huh. of that where he's like, you know, if you guys don't look like I'm, pretty serious here if you guys don't listen to me and do what i say like we're all dead like that's just yeah. what's gonna happen like there's no other option here it's it's my way or the highway <laughs> yeah it's it's funny and this is totally unrelated but um in a recent episode we did on on real comics mm-hmm. like uh, we talked about conan the destroyer mm. which which has grace jones and yeah. she plays you know the savage like warrior you know warrior woman you know role and I, I fan casted like if they had made an X-Men movie in the 80s, she would be the perfect storm. Oh, yeah. Um, and now thinking about this minute, like Kurt Russell in this movie is the only choice who could have played Wolverine in an 80s X-Men oh, movie. Man. So I'm apparently now I'm just I'm just going to continue fan casting, you know, my X-Men 80s movie. <laughs> um as I find actors that would will fit those roles, so uh, that's that, a good one, man. I it, I would have never thought about that, but he definitely has that kind of savage, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That you know, so, he, just that kind of attitude and yeah, that kind of bravado to him for sure. Yeah, he, he fits. He fit that character perfectly. That's pretty interesting. Now I really want to see that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Too bad he's already uh, established in the Marvel universe at this point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think I think uh, Hugh Jackman's probably. Probably uh, looking towards the end of his career as, as Wolverine, <laughs> I would I would imagine. But uh, yeah. too bad Kurt Russell's already established as somebody else. <laughs> that would be pretty interesting. I'm going to hide this podcast when I'm finished. If none of us make it, at least there'll be some kind of record. We have no way of reaching the listeners to tell them to support the show by using the donate button at thethingminute.com while we're stuck here in this storm. If only they knew. There's nothing else I can do. Just wait. Harper, out. So here now we get the payoff to what we started talking about at the beginning of the week with uh, with Norris. So, you know, he's having those, uh, those maybe chest pains, maybe uh, maybe there's a thing inside me that's <laughs> taken over me kind of pains, yeah. <laughs> one or the other. But um, now, you know, after he gets knocked back, he's like, Norris is not looking so hot. So, you know, Nalls, Nalls immediately goes over. So this is a point where, you know, uh, Nalls is a very kind of empathetic character in the movie mm. where, like, yeah, there's only one or two spots, m- maybe only one it, earlier in this week when he's, you know, uh, so suspicious of McCready, you know, wrongly, um, yeah. where Nalls is not kind of on the right side of things. But, like, <laughs> here he's immediately willing to kind of drop the the danger that's going on around them because, you know, his friend Norris is is in trouble. Um, which is pretty interesting. It's kind of a, a, a small little human moment in the middle of this like really, really tense yeah. situation. Yeah. Something that just occurred to me, and I was thinking about, you know, if this was Alien, mm-hmm. this would be about the point where John Hurt's character, uh, Kane, I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's got the the alien growing inside of him. And it... it Obviously, it presents itself, you know, as the chestburster and all that. So he's got that, you know, those pains uh, that don't don't take very long to, you know, obviously uh, come out. But yeah. And now thinking about 
Norris, like his body is about to go through a pretty drastic change. Mm-hmm. And so I don't now I'm thinking it's it's it never has been heart attack related. It's all his body's going through a change internally because of what we're going to see in a few minutes that that's, you know, that's what his body is reacting to. I'm, I'm thinking. Yeah. It's, it is interesting because you could totally look at it from both perspectives. Like it would be easy to say, like, like we kind of mentioned earlier that, you know, he's obviously got good reason to potentially have a heart attack. If he wasn't yeah. infected, like this would be very believable for this to happen in this kind of situation. But at the same time, yeah, knowing what's about to happen in just a couple minutes, like that, tra- like, you know, when we saw the dog transform, it happens kind of over, a sh- it doesn't happen slowly, but it is like the face splits open and then yeah. legs come out and then a big te- uh, tentacle comes out and then it grabs arm, mm-hmm. has arms, you know, it's kind of in, in segments or like in, in yeah. steps. And when Norris has his kind of big thing transformation moment, it's so fast. Like right. That chest opens up and then immediately yeah, yeah. that huge spider head worm looking thing, you know, bursts yeah. out and goes to the city. Like there's a some of that has got to have been already going on inside. Well, of that's Norris. what I, I think that the chest cavity is, is kind of what I'm talking about here. Mm-hmm. Like where's all that internal where where are his insides going to make right. room for that? So that's what I think what could be happening here that maybe he thinks it's hard and everyone else and Nalls, you know, they think it's a heart attack, obviously. Like mm-hmm. but yeah, it's really just his insides are, you know, caving in essentially and, and making room for this. I don't know. So Yeah, which which yeah. is interesting to think about too, because when you're kind of thinking about, you know, what what the thing's kind of motive and, and what it's goal is because you know obviously i think it overall it's the point of the thing here in this movie is to try and escape this base and spread yeah to the rest yeah. of the planet right but you know what how does how does having that kind of spider head thing growing inside norris how does it how does that help like is it maybe trying to grow something inside that it thinks maybe could run across the ice and escape or <laughs> Um, right. or, or is it just preparing itself so that when it gets alone with somebody else that it can, uh, you know, jump out and attack and take over somebody that way, like more effectively than if it was just, you know, a human body. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I think of something, and I, I can't remember now if this was an idea that we presented in our review or if it's something that I picked up in the, uh, kind of the behind the scenes documentary on this where, kind of what we see at the end of the movie and and kind of what the dog, you know, transformation thing is like it, this alien has shapeshifted from so many other alien races mm-hmm. before that this could be, you know, one of many things that it can mimic and one of those races might be like this weird spider, you know, type creature and then yeah. this one, you know, so I don't remember if that's something they discuss in this movie or um, uh, I don't remember where that idea comes from it, of it. They kind of mention it when, um, when Fuchs is reading from Blair's journal and they talk about okay. how it, he says it could have imitated a million life forms okay. on a million planets. Okay. So yeah, that's the only time like in the movie that they kind of mention it, but yeah, outside of it, you know, watching documentary stuff, they talk about it all the time because yeah, yeah. that was kind of Rob Bottin's, that was his mm-hmm. kind of central yeah. thing contribution uh, when they were 
thinking about what it should look like was that sure we should just have it be all kinds of different crazy things because yeah. it's you know we have no idea what kind of creatures it's already encountered in in outer space yeah. which is pretty pretty cool but yeah, the spider definitely seems to be one of the main. There must be that one must have been one of its early successful uh, planet takeovers. Was a planet of big spider creatures. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. yeah, we see the spider legs twice with the whole Norris thing. With uh, you know, first with the one that pops out of his chest, and then with the head that grows legs. And then mm-hmm. we saw it with the dog earlier too. Had those kind of big yeah. insect legs too. So yeah. uh, that's definitely one of the main kind of pieces of the thing, I guess, in its mm. uh, in its genetic makeup. Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm sure next week we'll get into a lot more oh. theory about Norris as well. But um, I do think, while I'd like to, I think you're probably right in some way that it, it is, you know, that this isn't necessarily a stri- uh, just a regular heart attack, that it is something to do with that, what's growing inside of him. But at the yeah. same time, I, I always wonder, you know, if it wasn't if it wasn't a heart attack, then why does it attack copper when cop- copper's trying to resuscitate it? Like, I feel like maybe that's a self-defense thing because the body that it's inhabiting is dying or something like that. Um, oh, maybe. Yeah. So, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly why. Besides the fact that it makes for one of the best movie moments of all time. Oh, so good. <laughs> Thinking about the logic of it, that's the best I, I can yeah. probably think of. I can't wait to listen to you guys talking about that. Oh, but. it's going to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, that's that was uh that was certainly one of the earliest ones that I was like, yeah, I know this is going to be one everybody's going to want to grab yeah. up. That and that and the uh, the blood test are certainly Oh, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, probably the highest demand uh the highest demand m- moments of the movie for sure. Nice. Yeah, so we'll get into a little bit more of that, but yeah, there's certainly some interesting stuff going on with Norris here that we can uh we can theorize about. So that that kind of rounds out this minute as far as uh, what what happens here. So, um, oh no, I did have one other thing actually I wanted to bring up in that um, the lighting in this scene is pretty interesting in that uh, you know they've used the flares to kind of as a practical lighting source a couple times in the movie, but this one is one of the more kind of obvious ones where there's really almost no other light in the scene. And um, I know in the commentary with uh, the cinematographer Dean Cundy, he talks about how it was really difficult because he really wanted to use the flares as kind of this natural lighting source, but they're so incredibly bright. And obviously they're also kind of dangerous too, that they had to be really careful, a balance of having the actors hold it close enough to their faces that it would light them up, but not, you know, burn them. Um, and it's, uh, it's interesting because you can, especially, you can almost see that happening at, I think it's about 19 seconds when McCready's walking towards the camera and you can see him suddenly jerk the flare down a little bit to <laughs> yeah. move it out of frame. And it's like, I, I, I'm willing to bet that, uh, off camera, uh, Dean Cundy was telling him to move it down because they, he kept, he, every time it's on screen, you get the, those big, uh, uh, flare, uh, not flares, yeah, um, like halos. Yeah. So uh, they have to kind of keep moving it to keep it just off the screen to keep those lens flares from happening. And I'm sure somebody was like, uh, a little bit farther down, Kurt. <laughs> yeah. So knowing that, it's kind of funny watching that. You can kind of see him. You know, it is kind of an unnatural thing. Like, why would he move it suddenly like that unless somebody <laughs> told him to off screen? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I thought that was interesting. The flares are are a ever-present lighting uh, thing in this movie that we've talked about a lot. It's it's definitely one of the iconic kind of looks, that purple-pink glow. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's that's everything I had for this one. Do you have anything you wanted to, uh, to mention? Uh, I think I'm good. Cool. So, 
We're mo- moving on to one of the most iconic scenes in the movie here with the next minute. So I'm looking forward to it. So uh, I think that'll wrap up uh, 74. But um, you can always check out moviesbyminutes.com for a whole collection of other podcasts like this one. So there's uh, dozens and dozens and dozens of other other podcasts like this one where people take movies, uh, you know, from uh, movies like That Thing You Do to obviously Star Wars Minute is, is where this kind of format began to uh, to the upcoming Watchmen Minute that uh, Travis is doing. And there are just tons and tons of great uh, minute, movies by minute podcasts. You could probably spend the rest of your life listening to them. Uh, I'm, I'm always struggling to figure out which one to kind of pick up next. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty big time commitment. Um, <laughs> To listen through the whole thing, but yeah, uh, you have to you have to choose which ones you're gonna do like as they air, and which ones you're just gonna have to you know binge listen to later. Uh-huh. On, so. Yeah, it's it's like what do I what which uh, movie do I want to spend the next like three months? Uh, yeah, listening to like an incredibly detailed <laughs> breakdown of. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, if uh, if the thing is not your favorite movie, then your favorite movie is probably on uh, moviesbyminutes.com. Uh, with another group of, of fine podcasters. So definitely check that out and uh, and support those other shows as well. It, it's a it's a great network and there's a lot of uh a lot of awesome people that um that kind of you know work together to to create different podcasts and guest hosts and and all that kind of stuff. So definitely check those out. But in the meantime don't forget to come back tomorrow for another episode of The Thing Minutes. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show please go to thethingminute.com. There you'll find the show notes with links to anything we talked about on this episode and lots of other resources on The Thing. You can also find us on Twitter at The Thing Minute and on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Thing Minute. But most importantly, subscribe, rate, and review us in iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. Check out other podcasts like this at moviesbyminutes.com and be sure to head over to starwarsminute.com to listen to the team that started it all. Thanks for listening, and until next time, this is Harper signing out.